Spirits of French Lick is proud to introduce the Lee Sinclair Four Grain Bottled and Bond Bourbon. This four-year-age, double-pot distilled, non-chill filtered bourbon has creamy, round, and lifting notes with caramel and vanilla, followed by apple, mint, graham cracker, and ginger, as well as cardamom. The finish is slightly French walnut, resolving the sweet, fruity, almost ground cherry and white pepper. Our spirits are available for tasting and purchase inside the French Lick Winery and Distillery. Spirits of French Lick. Respect the grain. Please enjoy responsibly. This is Alan Bishop, head alchemist at Spirits of French Lick. Our brand new bottled and bond Old Clifty Hoosier Apple Brandy is made from fresh-pressed Michigan apple juice fermented for two weeks and double pot distilled. We mature this brandy in full-size number two charred barrels to give a deep and rich color and flavor. Named after the historic distillery just north of Campbellsburg, Indiana, Old Clifty Hoosier Apple Brandy captures the hearts of modern bourbon drinkers. Always remember, drink responsibly and never drink and drive.
kind of from the start. It wasn't like you had to evolve it. You just have to keep going forward with it. And I just wanted you know, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, uh, for us, yeah, it's been a wild ride to say the least. I started in 05. You know, as a brand, we came back to straight bourbon whiskey in 2002 to the United States, initially just in Kentucky. And since I started, it's just every year, it's nothing but keeping up with the demand, expanding, adding warehouses, adding equipment into the distillery, adding people, adding buildings. And it's just been one year after the next, every year just keeps accelerating and just keeps getting busier and busier. And so I'm fortunate, you know, so excited to have started at that time yeah. to be there from the beginning of you know, probably the biggest bourbon boom that ever has been. Uh, it's just remarkable. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. awesome. It's great. You know, yeah. it's like you talk about that you haven't reached the ceiling. Heck, you look up and you guys, I mean, the bourbon industry collectively have, can't even see the ceiling. No, it's, it's, and that's, everybody's looking for it. Yeah. Everybody's putting a lot of money into this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very important to know if it's slowing down, you know, how we want to spend, how we want mm-hmm. to expand, and nobody's seeing any of the sight. Every year, it's just, there's that much more excitement. Wow. Yeah, that's just, that's just awesome. So, uh, I mean, that, that, that part's exciting, and then kind of how you keep coming out with uh, your limited editions, the single barrels, and then your staple, and then uh, I, I just think, uh, what you know all the different you have so many different uh, talk about the different uh recipe recipes. recipes okay yeah that's for sort of the, for the yeast right yeah so well if you look at our products we have four standard products for us bourbon small batch small batch like in single barrel and if you taste any of those now there are differences in age proof but they're all very different and there's a reason for that it's because different bourbons go in each of those now by different bourbons they all come from here they're all straight bourbon whiskey but we have 10 different recipes. So we start out with two different mash bills, both very high in rye. One's 35%, one's 20%. Um, rest forces corn, 5% malted barley. So we have two mash bills, and then we have five different yeast strains that we use. Each strain through fermentation, of course it creates alcohol, it creates heat, carbon dioxide, but also creates a lot of other congeners. And these are those other you know, acids, aldehydes, all those other, higher alcohols, infusal oils, all these other uh, compounds at very small percentages, but they're very important because they can be fruity, floral, all these different you know, characteristics. And we've isolated through the years these five strains, um, K, Q, O, F, and V, and each one of those is, is different. It comes across with different aromas, different flavors, and that's all via fermentation. So two fills, five yeast strains, that's how we get 10 different recipes. And we bring together different combinations to create the different products. And of course, you know, we'll taste through some of these. And I actually have a private selection, which is something that uh, it's not like a, a small batch or a uh, small batch select, because it's not the kind of thing you just pick up on any shelf anywhere. But it's a great program, because it really sort of lets people experience our individual recipes. This one is a single barrel, but it can be any of the 10 recipes. Oh, wow. Wow. So we can yeah, taste that any time too. Oh, I just okay. want to go ahead and start sampling. Yeah, yeah. since we're calling yeah, so let's, let's get right into okay. that. <laughs> so I actually selected an OBSO for us. And this program started in 2007, 2008. And actually, this one right 
Oh, that grab the wrong one? Yeah. Oh. Gonna go for private selection. You guys are the guests up for it. There oh, you go. Okay. Yeah. So this got it. <laughs> so we started this program back then uh, for retailers. So what we do, it's a single barrel, but we allow the uh, customer to come in, we roll out, hopefully, you know, we don't always have all 10 recipes available, but as many as we have, we'll roll out a barrel from each recipe that's in the program at that time, mm -hmm. and they can just sort of pick their favorite. So it's great, because they're so different. You know, some people will go for the high rye with, you know, spicy, so sort of picture that being on one end of the spectrum. Then maybe the other end is the low rye mash bill with the O yeast, which is a little sweeter, a little fruitier versus the high rye with the spicy yeast strain. Um, this one right here is the high rye mash bill with the O strain. The O strain is one that creates really rich, almost like stone fruit flavors and aromas. Um, and let's see what the proof tier is. It's a second tier. It's 56.5% P warehouse north side. So it's been a while since I've tasted this one. Like Little bit of caramel, but that there's like a cherry. It's like a cherry, like you yeah, said, that stone. Yeah, it's just rich stone fruit to me. Yeah, it's like yeah. yeah. And then just a little yeah, bit of caramel in there, you know, on the. Oh, yeah, there's, there's, there's something, there's something like. Um, no, it's a little bit lighter, right? In your in your, it's not real dark. It's almost a golden <laughs> amber, right? And what's the age of that one? That's what the second piece was. Uh, it's 10 years, one month old. Wow. So you're going to see extra age in this program, too. These are 8 to 12 years. Okay. So, and there, there's a cherry in like a maybe an apricot or citrus there, too. It, and, and it really comes through with the cherry mm. on the palate. I mean, that's yeah. really. I think it balances out with. Vanilla, you get a lot more, just like I said, on the palate than I did on the memory. Just a little bit of white pepper, very light on yeah. the spices. And that's the other thing. This is the high rye mashable, so you're going to get that rye coming through. Mm -hmm. And to me, the, the fruit comes that's, out. That's why, it's, to me, it's, it's unusual that I'm getting like a white pepper, like a light spot, you know, uh -huh. peppery spice than a, than a heavier. Or, and I'm, so, I'm so, it's it's a 10-year, right? Uh, 10-year, one and, when for a ten year, so for me, with the rise, like I like the rye spice uh -huh. on a bourbon. Yeah, but if it starts to get too oaky, I don't like that rye oaky mix. Like it'll just okay. turn into like a bitter kind of wood taste, like that that tannin that comes off there. But okay. if you balance it like this, and you've got that, you know, that rye. And then there's enough, there's a little bit of that oak at 10 year, you know, that's hard to not have it in there, but it's not bitter at all. Yeah. It's sweet. Yeah. Finishes off real sweet. With vanilla, right? Yeah. And it is a challenge, especially when you get up in these extra aged barrels, 10, 12, 15 years. Mm -hmm. I would say the barrels that aren't starting to get astringent or bitter, or in some cases just overly oaked and flat. Mm -hmm. and it's more of the exception to find the good barrels. They're still vibrant, rich, have depth. So it's not an accident. We every OBSO batch of ten years isn't going to taste like this, yeah. right? Yeah. Most of them are going to peak out, you know, six, seven, eight, um, nine. I'd say at ten years. Most, they're not going to be over the hill. They're not going to be too astringent at that point. But some of them are going to start to show signs of it. So 
we really uh, do our due diligence to find the barrels that seem to be still increasing in quality yeah. and not starting to peak and start to go over the hill to where they start to get to okay. Can I ask you, uh, how big is your uh, tasted tube? That, uh, um, four, so, and we're actually in the tasting lab here, this is the sensory lab, so okay. all of the batch selections, test blends, um, single barrel approvals, single barrel um, selections, those all take place in here. Okay. And there are primarily two of us that are like full-time looking at, it's almost a daily yeah. uh, task in here, looking at these things. Uh, our actual sensory panel that's looking at all the different stages of production, uh, can you tell you it's 10, 12 of us it's in, with both locations. Mm -hmm. And so, and everyone on the sensory panel is trained and everyone mm -hmm. has a very good palate and we all understand each other's palates. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times- that's, that's, key, that's key to be able to understand each other's palates. Oh, it is, yeah. 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 I think the first is talk, yeah. terminology, to have common descriptors. Yeah. Because, you know, we're all, we all see the same stuff, you know, to some degree. I mean, some people more sensitive. But if you convey it incorrectly, then you've—it's useless. Yeah. yeah. So we all have to know the, the language, and so mm -hmm. we're very good. We have a very good panel here. Uh, but you know, the day-to-day -day stuff, uh, we'll invite the rest of the panel in. You know, very often for you know, different kinds of evaluations. Yeah. But the day-to-day, -day, like barrel selections, test blends, it's typically uh, me and Chris, the guy that you met when you came yeah. in. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Cool. It all happens right here. Nice. Well, and because you've got the different yeast strains and then the mash bills, how it's going in, that makes it a. Although it's something that that you that you stay consistent with, uh -huh. but it's it's kind of complicated, especially when you're maturing, isn't it? I mean, the maturation with all the different, like at some point, you know what you're tasting based off what barrel you're tasting, but. To keep it straight, isn't it kind of a, is it rough because you're starting to taste these, then you go to those, and do you, does do those profiles come out? You know where you specifically now know that what that is from what barrel you're tasting. Uh, I say I've been doing this 17 years, so I kind of I have an internal standard to some degree, yeah. but I don't rely on that. Like if I'm looking, if I'm going from like some OESK evaluations to OBSO, and it's uh, Say, for example, it's our three-year inventory service. So it's the first time to look at barrels since they were put in the barrel to kind of gauge where they're going to go. So if I'm looking at you know any given recipe, I will have standards or samples that I selected the year before or two years before that really hit that mark. So it sort of gives me sort of a calibration to know what these samples should smell and taste like at three years of age so I can gauge off that. Because it's four point scale, you know, four indicates that it's it conforms to the standard. It can be used for whatever, mm -hmm. and actually, the majority of them, fortunately, are typically fours. Um, so there's a lot of note taking, but it's that's the point where things will be allocated to small batch or single barrel. Mm -hmm. They won't necessarily end up being there because that's three years yeah. small batch of six, seven year old stuff, uh, single barrel seven. So. They'll be reevaluated again and again before they're actually dumped. Mm -hmm. But um, it is difficult I mean, to deal with 10 recipes, not only just in evaluating, but um, inventory management. Yeah. And we've got, so think this, we've got all these products, we've got 10 recipes, all these products are different ages. Um, these 10 recipes, some of them are shared between products, some standalone. So trying to 
and they all evaporate. So back calculating all that evaporation, knowing where some of these will potentially go, go it, it's it's pretty complicated. Yeah, so we we save them ten recipes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, seventeen years. It's still you have to be on your toes, I imagine, because oh, the, sure. or you know where it's coming from and to get it. You know, I mean, you have you're distilling so much, and then there it's all. You know, to be oh, yeah. able to call for it and get it. That system has to be down too. I mean, I'm sure. Uh-huh. I'm sure there's a couple times you've gotten into a barrel and you whatever, and you're like, nope, that's not really what that says, it or whatever. You know, because nobody's perfect, right? I mean, uh-huh. it's not a perfect system, but that's where you come in, right? Just to be able to make sure everything gets into the right places. Yeah, and I would say about this you know, industry, you know, us and other distilleries, we're all doing things the same way we've done forever. Just we have a lot better control over it. Yeah, but. It doesn't matter. There's still you still need a nose and a palate mm-hmm. and you know, across the board here and bottling every step of the way to double check everything, whether it's approving to be used or selecting something to be used, or when everything is dumped and it's going to bottling to make sure it's approved to go into the bottle. And yeah, it's everything from you know the distill that comes off the still to help us, you know, troubleshoot and monitor all the processes out there to just checking, you know, a particular barrel that's whose batch has already been approved for single barrel to make sure that it's of the right quality to go into a single barrel bottle. So, mm-hmm. and everything in between. There's so many opportunities to bring in the human nose and palate yeah. for everything. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, one thing talking about this expression, what we perceive. Um, I, those two gentlemen there have a much more refined palate than I do, but I'll say this. Uh, one thing I like is that I think the nose should match the taste. And you get that cherry fruit, you know, on the nose, and you get it on the tip of your tongue, the side palate, and finish all the way back. It's so uniform and so good. There's no bitterness whatsoever. It's just that's a, that, that private select right there is... Yeah. Very, very good. Thank I'm glad you like them. I just kind of randomly picked out. I'm glad I did that. I think OBSO is a good example of sort of sort of on the outskirts of what we do. You know, I think the V's and the K's are more like the center mass of the typical four rows yeah. profile. But the O's, Q's, and F's, you know, historically we've used those in smaller percentages because it doesn't take a lot to go a long way. That has such pronounced character. Yeah. And I love demonstrating uniqueness but something like an O or a Q or an F. Yeah, that was wonderful. You pretty much nailed it there. So what do you got next for us? <laughs> uh, Let me ask you one other thing, though. Yes. Uh, uh, about how much is your production here uh, now? Um, so we just expanded. We're just completing mm-hmm. expansion in 2019. So seems like yesterday, but I guess it's going on a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, so we worked 4 million original proof gallons per year. That was our max capacity. Running almost 10 months a year. Yeah. Because uh, we shut down. We have to shut down at least two months a year. Yeah. Um, so we doubled that. So the max capacity out here is 8 million gallons. Uh, we're not up to that yet. We're kind of stepping into it. Because yeah. we know that yeah. when we expanded, we weren't going to double our sales not in one six yeah. years down the road. Yeah. Yeah. So we're stepping into it. We'll be fully at 8 million Probably year after next. Yeah, but I bet you it's going quicker than what you thought. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah we're crazy. We're filling that capacity very quickly. Uh, I, 
we just found out something yesterday uh, from uh, another distiller that, that uh, right now one of the new problems that's sort of facing the distilleries now is barrels. Are uh, y'all having that problem? Fortunately, we are not. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've heard, I know it's a big issue for a lot of distilleries yeah. right now. Uh, especially some of the you know, micro distilleries just starting yeah. up that yeah. didn't have contracts or long running relationships or long term planning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they have to get creative. I mean, if you, though they have to, you know, technically, you know, you guys are pulling the big guys here in Kentucky, they pull from where they pull. And of course, the, the cooperages are going to basically be some making sure you're getting what you need before they're going to. They're not going to like short you guys, and then then uh, a small distillery, yeah, yeah. Like you mentioned, contractual contractual obligations. Yeah, Yeah. you guys fulfill it, and they they make sure they they fill it. The thing we were talking about yesterday too is the um, with and and what you were talking about earlier is just the the, the incredible growth in this industry with existing distilleries greatly expanding their capacity and all the new distilleries. Uh, but yet, you haven't seen that kind of growth, at least I don't think you have, with cooperages. You know? So sooner or later, you're, you're probably hitting a saturation point on what the current production is able to deliver. You know, so. Yeah, and that's probably part of what we're saying. I know that you know, independent states are wonderful to work with, and they've yeah, done Andrew's a lot great. of... Andrew's a great guy. Yeah, his research over there is fantastic. Yeah. And I know they've increased production, but... You know, is it balanced? I, I don't know. You know, I'm happy that we're not in a bind, yeah. but I wish no one more. You know, yeah, well, exactly. well, when you go out, when you go there, we toured it, uh, I think in March. When, when, when did we? Well, we just toured it recently, okay? Yeah, okay? And when we went for the tour, we got to see everything, and but you saw the lumber aging outside. Uh-huh. So even as this goes through, they probably had five years of lumber outside aging and then you're looking at you know so it, it's kind of like if there's a shortage in wood there it's what they're putting down to start aging now to make the barrels you know so yeah it's a complicated industry i mean mm-hmm. just look at well starts with us you know we have no we're going to sell five years from now didn't think about the wood I mean, yeah, we can. They can find oak trees, but you know, it's it's managed very, very well. Mm-hmm. You know, what's an oak tree take? Eighty, hundred years to grow. Yeah. So we think, you know, five years forecasting. You know, we complain that there's no crystal ball for that. Think about that. Yeah. yeah. How do you plan that far ahead? Well, they they did that. Yeah, they've done that. They've done a great job. I mean, to be sustainable. The cool thing is, is why it was always why it's a new um, charred oak barrel is when after prohibition in uh, the, the gasoline car, they used to put the gasoline in oak barrels and then plastic was discovered and they could put it in plastic barrels and they had this huge glut of oak barrels. So that made sense in 1964 to deem to be bourbon, it had to be in a brand new charred oak barrel because they had all these <laughs> these old brand new barrels just sitting around that they hadn't had to use because gasoline went to plastic in the fifties. So it's kind of yeah. yeah, I love that I part of it. Yeah, I know that. That's yeah. Interesting. So all right. So what what where are we tasting next? Uh, let's go to small batch select. How about that? Yeah. And wonderful. Which one is that? You don't have the same no, for me. The other one. Yes, yes, yeah. 
I was going to give myself a little bit. That was your, <laughs> you good. Not your throat. <laughs> Some people think. Thank you. There we go. So this is Small Batch Select. This was released in 2019. Uh, go back, you have to go back to 2006 uh, for our release prior to this. It was our small batch. So we had four rows of bourbon on the market when we came back. Single barrel was released in 2004. The standard 100 proof single barrel, which is always OBSV. Then we did small batch in 2006. So there's quite a gap there between small batch and small batch select. Mm -hmm. So with this, really we were looking at um, the current market, current like consumer. And the current consumer was looking for something higher proof, something non-chill filtered. And of course we wanted to utilize our 10 recipes again. And we've done it with a small batch, uh, small batch limited editions, sort of the same thing. It's an opportunity for us to bring those different recipes together, create something new um, in, small, in the limited edition case, something every year. Yeah. So that was the, the platform we wanted to use. So with this, it um, ended up being nacho filter, 104 proof, and six different recipes. So it's both mashed, they'll split that in the middle. It's the V yeast strain, which is the one that's also in single barrel. It's kind of uh, delicate fruit, apricot, sort of green apple. The um, K, which is the dried spice, sort of adds a counterbalance. And then the uh, F, which to me really defines the character of this. Especially the F and the V when they come together in work. I can smell that apple a little bit. I smell, I smell caramel. Yeah, caramel apple. Exactly. So much better. So that's really cool that when you talk about a small batch, whereas other other distilleries, when they're making their small batch, they don't get into the different yeast strains of different barrels. I mean, you're making a, you're truly making a small batch. You're not taking one particular bourbon and mixing the same bourbons together. You're actually taking the different yeast strains and what, and then, and then in here in this room, right, uh, coming through and making it taste the profile. Now, are you trying to keep a consistent profile? Yeah. Or are you just trying to make it the consistent profile and a little better every year? Um, I think it's as good as I want to think it was as good as it could be. Okay. Twenty nineteen. There you go. So it's about consistency. Okay. And so this is six recipes, but. To put this together, we probably have, at any given time, 20 different batches, thereabout, of these different recipes sitting in the warehouses aging. So when it comes time to bottle that, which we'll bottle it several times a year, we'll pull samples from all those barrels and start doing test blends in here. So six recipes, but it might be the formula that's graded in here. You know, basically says, when you're dumping this, go to these warehouses, pull these barrels. It could be... 14 different batches. So even like the OBSV portion of it could be some of this batch, some of this batch. Those batches are always gonna be a little different, mm -hmm. but it's all a product of these test ones that we do in here. It's trial and error, um, an educated trial and error to try to hit that same profile every time. I, I have a question for you, and, and you might have spoke to this a little bit, but when you get like the perfect flavor profile for what we're doing. And I realize that, like you say, because of the five-year planning and the changes in material, the changes in barrels, a little hard, but do you, do you analyze it in terms of not just the, the taste and aroma, but uh, like uh, uh, the pH or the specific gravity or anything like that to say, uh, you know, 
like so if something's a little off, I'm gonna say, well, this is why. Uh, is that does that come into play? Not really. Um, we do have actually you hear that hum in the other room. We have a GC mass spec in there. Okay, that is a okay. great tool. Okay, for kind of what you're saying, like right. okay. if we tasted this and said, you know, that's interesting. Is that Compound exon taste, right? Because that isolin elastate that's right. you know very strong is, or, or anything, we can go in there, run a calibration curve to whatever compound we're looking for, and say, well, yeah, it's okay. in there at fifty parts per million, or we can tell you exactly what it is. Um, but it's not really useful because there are hundreds of compounds in there that all come together to create that total flavor or flavor profile that we're tasting. We tasted. And it takes a human palate to really see how everything works together and, you know, for lack of a simpler term, to know if it's good. So, yeah. we have this great technology, but it's never going to replace the human palate. Right. Well, it yeah. gets you where you need to in a number, like, you're, then, then that's when you start to adjust. You know that you have to chemically get it to a certain composition, correct? It's got to be close, and, and you have the numbers of, of what that is. But as you know, you've done the numbers and probably had them match up exactly. And then when you taste one or the other, they're the exact same composition, but they don't taste the same, correct? Um, well, we've never really used it to that. The most I've like actually analyzed a sample and actually quantified the different components would be like to create an export certificate. Okay. And that's looking at a few of the higher alcohols, um, Ethylazotate, furfural, and so some of the you know big flavor compounds, but they're only a snapshot of all the different esters and all these other compounds that are present there that are contributing to the final flavor. So I don't have like a reference that says this is all the analytical data that should taste and smell like this, and like the sample go along with it. It's incomplete, and right. but to do that. That alone would be a huge undertaking. Just to have one snapshot say this is what it tastes like. And then I guess in theory, if you had another sample and you analyzed it, you could say if all those compounds came out to be the exact, yeah. which would be damn hard to do, <laughs> right? Yeah. Impossible. Then you could say, well, yeah, that's going to taste and smell like this. You know, some yeah. some confidence. But, I, but you could also use that if there is something. If you get surprised by something that I really don't like that. Uh -huh. you would be able to identify maybe what... That can happen, yeah. Right. Like something like TCA, like cork tank, which is a rare, but, you know, it exists. That, that complaint where you get taint from heavens and wine happens occasionally in bourbon. Um, there are certain markers where you say, do I smell it, do I not? Um, but that's that's where something like a GC mass spec is very useful. Right, okay. I would say analytics are more... Uh, the tail end is kind of research and kind of interesting or confirm what the palate says or what the palate says. Like the palate definitely takes it starts with right all with it the palate. starts here. Yeah. But I'll play it on like the front end with fermentation and uh, distillation, you know, monitoring, analytical monitoring on that end is super important. Because I'm I'm not out there tasting the mash. No one's tasting the mash and saying, okay, you know, this is the composition of sugars at forty eight hours at yeah. at the end of fermentation or these are you know, the acids or that is all done by HPLC mm -hmm. and um, high-performance um, liquid chromatography. So that's a quick snapshot of how the fermentation is going along. So that is probably more of what you're asking. That it's useful on that end, where you know 
we want to have a snapshot into what's going on or some understanding on a chemical level, what's going on in that firm or the yeast tub or, you know, that stage of production. Um, but when it comes to the final product again, it doesn't matter. The GC can tell me it's bad, but if I taste it and it's good, it's good. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, like fermentation is very important. Uh, everybody knows that the yeast production and, and of the alcohol is very important. And it matters because it's how much yield you're getting. I mean, if, if all of a sudden your yield is down, you got to figure out what's happening with the yeast because they've, and then you're always trying to maximize that, correct? So that, that yeast makes the most, it can't, most alcohol of that sugar. Um, to a degree, I mean, that's our primary objective out there is the quality of the discipline comes off. And typically, if the quality is good, then the yield is going to be good too. Okay. But we're not we're not just trying to focus on the yield, and that's not the primary objective. I mean, the yield is what it is, and it's reported, and we know what it is. But unless it like dropped off significantly, and if it dropped off significantly, it would be so much like oh, we're losing money there. Be there's good. There's something wrong yeah. that we're going to also smell and taste. It's yeah. going to be off of this distillate. Okay. So, yeah, we noticed the, the proof and the yield, but it's sort of secondary to the quality. So I just want to do a little story. It's kind of like initially when you, that was introduced in 2019, you yeah. said, right? Uh -huh. And I, it was in Ohio, I picked up one of those and gave Mrs. Xavier that for her birthday. Okay. And that, that's, that went on the shelf. And at the time, we were kind of just getting into it, and I was like, Oh, that's a little bit more expensive. I'll get her a nicer bottle. But at now, you know, then as you go along, you understand what you're actually getting, and you really now make me understand yeah. what I'm getting. So that's really kind of. So I think I told you this story along that same time. Um, you know, I, I work. You know, we all have day jobs. We all work some incredible hours, and. Uh, uh, you know, little little things like like Valentine's Day and Sweetest Day kind of pretty much are there that morning before you even think about it or anything. Yeah. And so I, I think I told you that I I wanted to go out and snag her a dozen roses and at the local grocery store the guy goes around her and the do it too. They you know, they, they pretty much you can get a really nice bouquet of roses for what you used to have to call in an order from a florist before. Huh? What well, they didn't have that all the roses were gone. So I think I got her some small batch uh, four roses. I said, honey, I didn't get you a dozen roses, but I got you four. <laughs> so, and she, she was quite Valentine's Day. Yeah, this one, I like, yeah, the, the caramel, you know, the, the, the little bit of apple. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, 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 yeah. it uh, doesn't lie to you. Also, what I like about this, and the flavors, I can go into the descriptors there, but it's the palate, the mouthfeel, the finish. Yeah. It's just so viscous, so rich. It is. Yeah. yeah. Fills the whole mouth. It's the size of it. And once again, too, you don't get that any kind of bitterness on the side palate. It's so uniform. It's uh -huh. so good. Also, what I found after doing a lot, and I'm sure you do too, the nose usually, when you pick up the most flavors isn't when you just pour it in your glass. It's actually actually after you sip a couple sips and you let and you let it sit there and then when you revisit that, uh -huh. it seems like the nose is so much more prominent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
that was exactly true on the first expression we tested when you said cherry. I got some kind of fruit, but I didn't really get cherry. After I tasted it, came back and, and, and nosed it again, it was like, yeah, it's cherry. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of breathing. Yeah. All right. So you got one more for us, and it's a very exciting one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So this is our limited edition 2022. This little preview for you guys. <laughs> this won't really hit the shelves until next week. Yeah, and it and it wow. was um, what was it? Uh, it was lotteryed off. Just the, that lottery went through. But as yes, far as hitting the shelves you. in Ohio, are yeah, okay. For, for now, we're not. Yeah. So I'll fall on my face when I stand up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how much this is going to hit the shelves in Ohio. It's kind of like where where we where we are. It's almost like you have to be you have a better shot of uh, being where you're getting struck by lightning sometimes with some of this yeah. stuff. But you know, that's one another thing. What we've always found is, or I find as looking for bourbons, and I do it a little bit. You. But you'll at least a couple times be in the right place at the right time if you just consistently stay at it. Yeah. So no. or just have good friends who, a lot of good friends. Somebody's yeah. going to get like, you're somebody's going to get a lot of That's right. That's the case. They're like, yeah. That, that's how I got my new uh, podcast name, Super Nose, is because I'm sort of like the bourbon hunter and how I came about. Start to emerge, 
think of how, how this badge worked this badge, or what if, uh, you know, could the oak with this one really be offset or balanced with the, the vibrant youth characteristics of this badge? You know, just mm -hmm. ideas start to come. And then it's test blending. And for this one right here, I think this was 25, 28 test blends. And then once it was kind of finalized, I went back and tweaked it. Plus or minus five percent of each batch until it finally end up. This I think it was thirty-two test ones, maybe. But this one's a combination of a twenty-year-old OBSV. I think that's and that's it's not insignificant. I think it's about twenty percent. I know it's twenty percent in here. Um, then there's a fifteen-year-old OESK, a fourteen-year-old OESV, and a fourteen-year-old OESF. So four different batches, age fourteen to twenty, non-chill filtered. 
balancing with the 20 year old. Yeah. We still had, for 20, still was surprisingly nimble. <laughs> and bringing those two together, mm-hmm. and then in the center, I think that OESK and, OES, or, yeah, OESK and OESV really helped kind of build the whole body. But it really started with those two bookends, kind of that, that young, vibrant, that older, more elegant. Special. There's no doubt. No There's no doubt that, about is, it. that is sipping. That covers, mm-hmm. you know, it hits all the different sensories, and then it gives you that nice, it, it, there's enough nice. proof there, there's a body there. I mean, a nice yes. I, 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 was, nice I, I can't lie, I was so looking forward to meeting up with you again and doing this and hoping that that, you know, because I've heard nothing but good off of that. And that's what, and you know, you've got the whole whiskey world you know, just waiting for that kind of that release, especially after last year. I mean, what we tasted, you know, but I can tell you this, do you find like if you're in your day-to-day stuff and you're tasting, and I know it's your job, but if you're kind of like tasting with family or friends, the whiskey gets better. It always seems to me there's, it's your situation too that will make you have a better now. Are there days where you're just kind of like, I need to punt? Like you're just the palate's not on. You're not tasting right. And you're just like, let's not make any decisions today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and some of those days I don't even have allergies at all. It's just there, it's just those days. It's like, and there are days where it's like, man, I don't know. Am I too sensitive? And so that's the good thing about having, especially with like QC, having a panel or you know, someone else was. I had that last week. We we're approving a bunch of single barrel samples, and I was in here with uh, Chris, the guy you met. I was like, I was like, I'm, I think I'm too sensitive today. I'm wanting to reject a lot more barrels than what we normally do. Normally, maybe it's so pretty stringent, like single barrel proof. So it might be on average one barrel for tier or ricking tier. So one out of every twenty-two barrels is about what you know kind of falls out outside that range. And he's like, I don't. Am I just that sensitive today? And there are days where it's like, maybe today's not the day to make any big decisions. You know, I'm really, whether it's something you eat, the you know, barometric pressure, I don't know. But I know my palate well enough to know, understand that it's not the same day to day. Well, yeah, you know, and there's a lot of things that can affect your palate. Oh, yeah. Too, so, you yeah. Know, I mean, just even, even your whole inner body and attitude, you know, you wake up bad. Yeah. You know, your palate's not going to be that. Wake up in a bad mood and every whiskey tastes good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. He's More not working for that. It's like, it's not, he's not doing it as a job, he's doing it as a necessity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But, I, I mean, yeah, I... Having to do this now, uh, and it keeps getting bigger. So uh, you know, my my collection, I can't. You you. Oh, it used to be I would look for the good ones, and then I would drink them. Uh-huh. But it's good. with podcasting two times a week, doing events with other people, and going and doing this. You just kind of the drinking aspect is left out, except for really good. You know, if you're on vacation or whatever. But in, from the day to day, you you know you've got to keep it completely in control, otherwise you're going to be in trouble, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, what you know. Hey, you know, there was a time when drinking was a problem for me, but you know now that I'm an alcoholic, it's no problem. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, 
you know, you put your, you're putting your, you know, your palette there and you put it into the brand and then people, you know, people get to experience that, but you also know that this brand is going to be a, around a long time. So you're, are, are you, you're always in the process or, of somebody that you're training underneath so that they know, because nobody can do it forever. I mean, we know that if history's taught us anything, there's a lot of different distillers that have gone through the process and then how it gets passed on is very important. That would be the last thing I'd like you to talk about. Okay. Um, well, it's kind of like when I was offered for this job. This was you know, Jim Rutledge. If you know Bourbon, you know Jim Rutledge. Yeah. He'd been doing this for 49 years when he decided to retire in 2015. And you know, we didn't really, and we don't really now, have like a standard succession planner. It's not like... There's a training or a certain yeah. uh, protocol or regimen that anyone's going through to be master sewer. And I didn't go through that. It was, um, I guess, the products were still growing company. We're moving so quickly that, like in my case, and even now, it's like everyone has their roles that are becoming more and more defined. But there's still a lot of you know, teamwork around here. It's, it's pitching in, helping out, and learning different aspects of, of the facility. And that's kind of how I got to work I um, like when Jim retired, I didn't know it was going to be master distiller. First, I didn't think he was going to retire because he loves it so much. Yeah. Um, so when they called me and they said, Jim's retiring, you're master distiller. I mean, I was shocked, maybe more shocked that he's retiring. But, you know, both of us like, that's fantastic. But, like, I hadn't been you know, specifically trained for that. So, you know, there are other people around here that had a lot of experience that could do the job also. Um, so, you know, I was probably more intricately involved with blending and barrel selections because I was strictly quality control. So I had you know, a lot of experience from you know, grains that come in to what goes out the door in a bottle. So sort of all across the board, you know, experience and been doing it for that point 10 years. So, um, now, and I can think of you know, a lot of people here that would be great and hopefully it doesn't happen, you know. Hopefully I'm around for a long time. On that path, they're on that path that, you know, have the passion, the uh, knowledge, and you know, I think that's what it takes. The willingness and, you know, the, the love of the brand, you know, wanting to be like, like you said, you know, this thing, this brand's been around since 1888. Yeah. You know, that's a long time. Yeah. yeah. I've been, you know, I've been here 17 years in this role for, seven and you know after me there's gonna be someone after that yeah. so i'm just a little piece in this long and even if you look at you know what's going on today i'm just a little piece in everything that goes on here sort of you know out talking about it because you know that's part of my role as master of silver so apart from my responsibilities you know here at work um the fact is I mean, there are so many people involved in every step of the process Guys have been at the distillery for you know, dozens of years. Um, people that are in the warehouse have worked there forever. Um, you know, if that weren't the case, I wouldn't be able to go out and, and tour and you know and do and talk about do what I do. Yeah. yeah, but I promise you, I can leave and yeah. everything's gonna be working out okay out there. You know, there there's so yeah. many talented people here, so much knowledge. Well, I think you bring. You like, for instance, the limited, the, the, there's, it's an art still by putting out these, these private selects in the limited edition, 
Because yeah. yes, the distilling part is has to go down, but it really does come because I've I found that the the palate is very important, and that's what everybody has to know. There has to be I, I, the larger distilleries like yourself is up until like the seventies. All that ever mattered to some of the master distillers was trying to keep consistent. It was such yeah. a difficult thing to do, and people weren't that much into change. Whereas, like right now, people love different, different, you know, select, you know, the selection is what's really hot right now. Absolutely, and they accept the change. And I've even seen seen a change in how everything's been aging. Like it's, Kentucky has been experiencing some fantastic weather probably over the last 10 years just straight where there's not a year off where you're not aging and so the even the lower end whiskey still seem to be getting better because if you're aging even the even the barrels that are going to the regular whiskey you know the everyday whiskey those seem to have be picking up caramels and stuff that's been happening so you know that's one thing but you're in control of that and in the end as master distiller this span, what comes out, that's what people, that's your responsibility, right? Yeah, I think that's probably where you, you my more immediate and visible impact is like barrel selections or blending for limited conditions, that sort of thing, absolutely. And that's where I always think I'm fortunate that my palate is not too far out in left field. Like when I look at something and taste things like, if I'm confident that I like it, I'm fairly confident that most people are going to like it. Because yeah. um, in most cases, a lot of these are sustained. Like small batch, that flavor profile, I didn't develop that. But I know what it's supposed to taste like and I know how to get there. Know which barrels to select. Right. Um, something like small batch select, when we developed that, you know, I didn't have any standard to go by. So you know what I did? I blew up something that I liked. Yeah. I, it was like, my, my guideline, my standard is going to be, I'm going to make the bourbon that to my palate, the one I like most. That's exactly what I did. Well, that's what they, that's why they made you the master distiller. I mean, that's, you know, the definition is, like you said, it's, they trust you, they trust your palate, and then you, like you said, you've evolved into the rest of it, but you know, it's just a symphony. You can't just go solo, and that's the same, you know, there's, the solos yeah. are great, but as a symphony, this, that's what this is. Oh yeah, it's a big team of yeah. experience and talent. And the, the happier those people are there working with you, the better the product's going to be. And that's anywhere, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. All right. I think that this is phenomenal. Cheers to that. Cheers again. Thanks, guys. For coming out. Yeah, thank you for having us. I can't wait to see you guys out on the lawn. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. On Bourbon in the Air. Yes. So another great podcast of the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. Remember, www.scotchybourbonboys. You can find everything Scotchy Bourbon Boys there. T-shirts, Glenn Karen's, that type of stuff. Uh, remember, we are on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. And then check us out on all the major podcast formats. Uh, it's it's been great this time. So thank you, thank you, Brian. Thanks, thank, 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 thank you for having us. Thank you, thank you very much. All right, we'll, we'll have a little. See if I can get you. Well, let's, we'll just take this out. All right, hold on. That's Let's one catchy go. tune there, by the way. Yeah, that was that's Kenny Fuller. There we Kenny go. Fuller, the brand ambassador for Luca Mariano. Okay. And he said, hey, you guys need a theme song. And he knocked that out for us, so here, use it. Really? Yeah. Oh, 
Scotchy Bourbon Boys fans, this is Alan Bishop, Indiana's Alchemist of the Black Forest. So I'm tuning in here today to tell you all about the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute channel on YouTube. If you're at all interested in the art of distilling, whether it be home distilling or professional distilling, and the intense geekery that goes into that process, then check out the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute on YouTube. I promise you're going to learn something you didn't know before about the arts. (laughs) 